Well, it's great to be back at Great Hills and be with my friend and uh, golf partner. You know, we play lift, clean, and cheat sometimes when we play. And so, uh, and to be with Harold, I, I looked up one of Harold's sermons, and it was on a, a clay tablet, but it was good. It was good. Uh, so, uh, we're, we're going to have a good time today. I'm going to loosen some of your halos. You know, the Bible says the joy of the Lord is our strength. I'm in some churches, if the joy of the Lord is their strength, they could whip a sick rabbit. They're not a whole lot of fun. They're not a lot of joy. Uh, I am a psychologist by training. I, uh, that's what I used to do. I, I got tired of being a psychologist. I'll just be honest with you. I got tired of listening. I got tired of saying, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. I can understand how you feel that way. Uh-huh, uh-huh. I mean, I, I just got tired of it. I reached a point where I thought, why am I listening and why are they talking? I mean, they don't know anything. They're seeing a psychologist. I got a doctor's degree. Uh, surely I ought to do some talking. Sounds like a good idea, doesn't it? It, it wasn't a good idea. It, it didn't go well at all. The guy would say something like this. The reason I'm a loser is because my dad was an alcoholic. I said, there's another way of looking at it. Maybe your dad's an alcoholic because you're a loser. There's another way of looking at it. <laughs> well, people won't pay for that, you understand. They won't pay for that. Uh, so I decided to move on. Actually, I worked at a mental health clinic for many years. Uh, I left the mental health clinic because I couldn't tell the staff and the patients, you know, <laughs> except the staff, you know, the staff seemed to have as many problems as the patients did. Uh, so I have had a unique life. One week I worked at a uh, mental health clinic. The next week I worked at a Baptist church. People say, is that a big adjustment? I say, no, the staff still have the keys. But other than that, I can't tell a whole lot of difference. So I'm going to help you today. Matter of fact, I'm going to help you right off the bat, okay? This is going to be worth you coming right here. I'm going to give you free therapy, okay? It's going to be group therapy because you can't afford me individually, but it's going to be free therapy, all right? You got to participate and it won't work. So put your hand over your heart. I'm going to lead you in a little pledge. Repeat after me. I, being of sound mind, do hereby acknowledge that I have not nor have I ever, or will I ever, control the universe. Therefore, I resign as general manager of the universe. Now, don't you feel better already? He's God, you're not. Get over it. Get over it. You see, I, can, I know where most of your stress most of your frustration comes from. You're trying to straighten out somebody else. That's it. That's it. Matter of fact, you, they, they, they can come to mind right now. You can see that person. You're trying to straighten out somebody else. And see, if that, that's your goal in life, the only person you can really be is a mortician. That's the only guy that can straighten people out and they'll stay straight, right? Otherwise, you've got to get up every morning and re-straighten them again. I'm here to help you today. People say, what do you do? Best I can describe what I do is this. When I was a kid, my dad was a Baptist preacher, and, and uh, we didn't have a lot of toys. Matter of fact, back then, about the only thing to play with when I was growing up was the outside. You know, we didn't have all this video stuff. And uh, so we played marbles. Anybody old enough to remember marbles? I, I mean, we played marbles. You named your marbles, roly-polies, black beauties, steelies, you know. And, uh, but, but Dad was a Baptist preacher, so you couldn't play marbles for keeps. That's what Dad said because it's too much like gambling. And so you couldn't play for keeps, but you can play marbles. Well, you, you're a kid, and I'm going to teach you about kids tonight. Kids got this Adam suit that wants to do what it wants to do. And so I, I, I'm a kid. I, I played for keeps. I disobeyed my dad. I played for keeps. And always some bully in the neighborhood, some bully that would, would cheat or 
threaten to beat you up, and he would, he would get your marbles. And you'd reach a point where you realize, I've lost my marbles. <laughs> I've lost my marbles. Now, how are you going to get your marbles back? Well, what I did is I was honest. I went to my, my, my father. My, my father was a good man, and I told him I, I, I was dishonest. I played for keeps. This bully's got my marbles. And so my dad would go confront the bully, maybe sometimes the bully's dad, and get your marbles back. Well, that's what I do. I go around the country, and how can I put this delicately? A lot of church people lost their marbles. I'm going to teach you how good your heavenly father is. How, if you're honest with him, you can get a few of your marbles back, all right? And today we're going to talk about primarily in the area of stress. And here's what I've discovered. There's usually just one thing that you keep doing over and over again that causes you stress, that gets you into trouble. And, and, it, and it just, it, it, it reoccurs. And at church you say you're not going to do it again, and you, you, you're not going to say that again, or you're not going to act that way. But when you get out in the world, it comes back, you see. Uh, because remember, your body has been redeemed. We're going to teach you that tonight, and that those habit patterns come back. Uh, it's like the pastor. The pastor lived in a neighborhood and wanted to kind of make friends with a young kid, and so he bought a used lawnmower from him. Paid about $45 for this lawnmower and uh, couldn't get it to start, just couldn't get it to start. And finally he told this little boy, he said, you, you sold me this lawnmower, and it won't start. It won't even start. He said, well, Pastor, I didn't, I didn't want to tell you because I knew you were a pastor, and I really hated to tell you, but it's this strange thing about this lawnmower. It doesn't start unless you cuss. And if you don't cuss, it doesn't start. Well, the pastor said, I, I, I'm a pastor. I, I can't cuss. Matter of fact, it's been so long, I don't even remember how to cuss. He said, pull it about three or four more times, it'll all come back. <laughs> you see, you have these habit patterns in your life. You come to church and look all holy, but you go out there and it all comes back. And you end up doing the same thing over and over again. See if you can visualize this. Let's just say we're going to have a party, maybe a cookout, going to grill some steaks, maybe watch a game or something. Everybody's in a good mood. Everybody's laughing. Everybody's having fun. A friend of ours walks in. Let's just call him Bill. We wave at Bill. Bill waves at us. And then Bill puts his hand on the grill again and burns himself severely. Puts his hand on the grill. He said, man, what did he do that for? Why did he put his, you, know, you look at each one. Did you see Bill? He put his hand on the grill. You know? They burn him. They take him to the hospital. You call. They bandage him up. And, and he's doing pretty good. And, and you salved him up. Got a pretty good burn. A couple of weeks later, he's healing up good. And, and he's all healed. It's about a month, six weeks later. We're having another party, another cookout. And Bill walks in, and he's by the grill. And, you know, you can feel this, everybody tense up, you know, because, you know, he's, what do you say? Get away from the grill. I mean, what do you do in that situation? You, you've been in that situation. You don't know if you should say something, you shouldn't say something. I mean, he's in your small group, or, you know, what, you know he's by the grill. What do you do? And then you don't do anything. You just kind of look at each other tenseful. And then he puts his hand on the grill again and burns himself severely. Now, you and I just standing around talking, it may go something like this. That. Bill, he's a nice guy, isn't he? I mean, our kids are on the same, the same soccer team. I see him every Saturday, and he's pretty normal in just about every area of his life. But when it comes to grills, the guy's nuts, isn't he? Well, let me see if I can tell you visually the way you are. Most of you are pretty normal in every area of life. But there's a grill that burns you over and over and over again. 
and it keeps you from living the life that God wanted you to live. It just causes stress. It just causes frustration, you see. It's, it's kind of, I know all the old psychiatrist jokes. It's kind of like the old psychiatrist joke. Remember the old psychiatrist joke where the guy comes to see the psychiatrist? He got two burned ears. <laughs> and the psychiatrist said, man, what happened? He said, I was ironing the phone ring. I picked up the iron. And the psychiatrist says, but both your ears are burned. He said, they call back. I promise you that's what happens in your life. You go out there and those habits call back and you end up burning yourself over and over again. We're going to talk today about how do you, it's a series we got called All Stressed Up and Know Where to Blow. We're going to try to teach you about how to deal with stress. I mean, I have stress. I, I get stressed just traveling. You know, I travel for a living. Uh, you know, I, I get to travel all over the country and I meet a lot of nice highway patrolmen uh, around the country. Uh, and I've discovered highway patrolmen, they're not ready for jokes. They, they do not have a sense of humor, uh, especially when you're breaking the law. You know? And I, it took me a while to realize that. One guy said in Arkansas, he said he was waiting for me all day. I said, I got here as soon as I could. Uh, one, one officer, it was late at night. I was doing a banquet. I was tired. He shined the flashlight in my eyes and says, your eyes are glazed over. You've been drinking? And I looked up and says, your eyes are glazed over too. You've been eating donuts? And I was, <laughs> I was that far from a prison ministry. You know, uh, uh, and I, I figured out all their questions are rhetorical. They don't want you to answer. You know, one guy said, do you know why I pulled you over? And I said, yeah, I left my radar detector at home. <laughs> he just wasn't ready for that. Uh, but I actually was stopped by a guy in my hometown. He stopped me and he said, Dr. Lyre, you forgot to stop at the stop sign. I said, I really did. He said, you really didn't. I said, I slowed down. He said, it's not the same. I said, it really is. He said, it really isn't. I said, it's almost the same. He said, no, it isn't. I said, yes, it is. He said, get out of the car. <laughs> Took out his billy stick, started hitting me with it. Said, you want me to stop it or just slow it down? <laughs> I said, officer, you know, there really is a difference here, isn't there? He said about $150 difference. I want to stop for a minute and tell you how Jesus told you to live a great life. Matthew eleven twenty eight. he says this, come unto me. Notice he didn't say come to church. He said, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. I translate that, all you who work and are being worked on. <laughs> Sometimes you feel like you're being worked on, don't you? Come unto me, all ye that labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn of me. See, most of you trust God for the six-foot hole. You know you can't handle death. I mean, you, you, you don't have any relatives conquer death. You have to trust him for the six-foot hole. You claim his promises for eternal life, but you don't practice his principles for a great life, you see. You, you don't learn from him. So, come unto me, all you that labor heavy laden, I will give you. Take my yoke upon you. Learn of me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. Wow. The God of the universe is gentle and lowly in heart. And he says, take this yoke upon you. And he said, then he says, you'll find rest for your souls. By the way, it's a whole lot harder to, to find rest for your souls than it is for your body, I promise you. Jesus is the only one that gives rest for your soul. And said, this yoke is easy and my burden is light. <laughs> wow. I mean, we go to church and we think, 
I want to preach a sermon one time, who stole the easy yoke? <laughs> I mean, we make it so hard. We make it so difficult. We make it so stressful. So I'm going to teach you today how to relax, how to relax. First thing is just be real, be real. The thing about Jesus is he's just Jesus. <laughs> See, here's what I've discovered about people. If you don't learn to serve people out of who you are, you'll try to impress people with what you do. And, and that's stressful, isn't it? And it, there's nothing any more stressful than not being able to be who you are. Not any more stressful. Remember, remember the story, I'm a preacher's kid. I remember hearing the story about Jesus washing the feet of his disciples. And, and I always wondered, I mean, why didn't the disciples wash their own stinking feet? I mean, haven't you wondered that? I mean, good night, here's Jesus here, and he's the one washing feet. But I, I think I know, because the disciples are just a bunch of preachers. I've been around preachers all my life. We, we have confidence. We play, we, we play golf. We have to play with a bunch of preachers, don't we? And we're around preachers all our life. You know what most preachers do? They try to impress you with what they do. <laughs> well, we had this many, and we had this many. We built this, we did this, we did that. Why? Because they can't serve out of who they are. They're trying to impress you with what they do. See, the disciples, I promise you, the disciples said, well, guess what? Over there we had this many, and we did this, and guess how many's got saved there, and this guy, you know, and... and they didn't have time to notice stinking feet. But you know what the Bible says? Jesus, knowing where he came from and where he was going, washed the feet of his disciples. Wow. You see, if you don't know who you are and where you're going, you're not going to be able to serve people. You're going to be a very stressful person trying to be somebody else. These guys know I'm not a great Bible teacher. I'm an application guy. I, I, some people don't even know what to call what I do when you come out of church. You'll say, thank you for that, and you don't even know what it is. That's okay. It's the gift God's given me. Dr. W.A. Criswell told me one time, don't study it, Charles. Just share it. <laughs> you know, that's, see, I'm relaxed in being who I am. You know? Some people like me. Some people don't like me. Some people say, you laugh too much. I don't really care. doesn't matter to me because you know? I'm just being who God made me be. See, uh, so, you know, you can straighten up your halo and get mad and walk out. I don't really care. You know, see? I'm relaxed. Okay? See, here's what the world tells you. The world says this. You can be anything you want to be. You can't be anything you want to be. By the way, the world is just a giant Ponzi scheme. It's always telling you what you can't have, but you, you can get this without that. It's a Ponzi scheme. It's, the world says life's like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. That's a lie. You pretty much tell me what you're doing. I'll tell you what's going to get, what you're going to get. I'll tell you how it's going to turn out. The Bible says, what's our men sows, that shall they also reap. Okay? Now, life is like a box of chocolate if it's a Whitman sampler. Remember the Whitman sampler? Remember those? You know, you'd look up on the top, and it would tell you what's in the box. You want pecans with caramel, third from the right. You got it. You, know? you, you want peanuts and, and, and fudge, fourth from the left. You got it. And, but they'd wrap up a few things. Remember that? They'd wrap up. You, you, you're going to have a few surprises in life. You're going to have a few surprises. You didn't count on this. Didn't count on that. But I promise you, most of the time, you tell me what you're doing, I'll tell you how it'd turn out. I've read the book. I'll tell you how it's going to turn out. See? That's what happened. So, so, so be who you are. See, the world, you can, I, I can't be anything I wanted to be. I want to be an NBA basketball player. I'm slow and short and I'm not going to be an NBA basketball player. You know? God didn't design me that way. See? Here's what the world said. Be anything you want to be. But God created everything. You see, he created a cantaloupe seed. Cantaloupe seed comes out of the ground. What's it going to be? It's going to be a cantaloupe. 
Watermelon seed comes out of the ground. What's it going to be? It's going to be a watermelon. Now that cantaloupe seed can say this. I do not want to be a cantaloupe. I want to be a watermelon. They're bigger. They get a lot more publicity. They go to a lot more picnics. <laughs> I am going to be a watermelon. So that cantaloupe seed can get on a watermelon program. He can get some of those possibility tapes from Robert Shuler and play it over and over again. To that cantaloupe seed, he can play possibility watermelon, possibility watermelon. Get some of those positive thinking tapes, positively watermelon, positively watermelon. <laughs> Develop the seven highly effective habits of watermelons. Seven highly effective habits of watermelons. Get a Rick Warren tape, become a purpose-driven watermelon, a purpose-driven watermelon. Get one of those Joel Osteen tapes, be a highly anointed, favored, blessed watermelon. Highly anointed, favored, blessed watermelon. Go to some new age hotbed, channel up some 400-year-old guru, let him sit bow-legged, naked, hum, hold a crystal, look at his navel, and hum, watermelon thoughts. Hum, watermelon thoughts. You can go to a Tony Robbins seminar to walk on fire to prove you're capable of being a watermelon. You can go to psychotherapy, get in touch with your inner child. Maybe your inner child was a watermelon at one time. <laughs> now you can do all that. When the cantaloupe seed comes out of the ground, what's it gonna be? Be a cantaloupe. It's gonna be a sorry, no good, stressed out, dysfunctional cantaloupe. Why? Because all you've done to it, that's why. Just be real, be relaxed. Be the person that God wants you to be. E stands for enjoy. Learn to be content. Learn to be content. I'm a, I'm a uh, dad with three girls. Some of, most of you heard my relationship material. I've got three girls because I lied. And God said, send him three girls, he'll spend his life in the mall for lying. You know, so that's, that's how I got three girls. Only thing mail in my house was a mailbox. Sometimes I'd go talk to it, say, mailbox, tough in there today, I guarantee <laughs> But all these girls, they'd always want a dog. And we lived in the city. And if you're the, if you're the dad of a city dog, it's a miserable existence being the dad of a city dog. Because a city dog, his entire life is trying to get out of the fence. So your entire life has to be trying to keep him in the fence. So you've got to get it high so it can't get over it, low so it can't get under it, strong so it can't get through it. You've got to get the gate tight enough so it can't squeeze through the gate. And you've got to get the gate locked. And, and you, you fortified that city dog. But it doesn't give up. So it waits for the front door and the back door to open at the same time. And it runs through the house and gets out in the neighborhood. And you've got to chase the dog down and take him back put him back in there and the whole thing starts all over again. It's a miserable existence being the daddy of a city dog. I sometimes preach in the country. I go to eat at people's houses in the country. They have dogs that sit on porches and there's no fence. They just sit there. And I promise you they're smiling, they're smiling. You know why some of you stressed out? You're a city dog, that's why. You're trying to get this, trying to get that. You know, trying to get this, trying to get that. The Bible says learn to be content. Learn to be content. I, I, I like these pants. These are, these are nice pants. You like these pants? These are nice pants. But guess what? There's better pants than these. Better pants than these. If I'm not careful, I may be looking at Danny's pants. Looks like Danny's pants are better than my pants. But no, I'm going to enjoy the pants I got. I'm going to enjoy the pants I got. Learn to enjoy what you have. L stands for learn. 
Learn how it all works. Learn how it all works. It's amazing to me that many Christians don't know how, how the thing works. I'm going to give you a really quick synopsis of how the whole thing works. A stands for Adam. We all come from the Adams family, okay? We all come from Uncle Adam. What do you get from Uncle Adam? You get sin and death. You're going to die and you're going to sin. That's what your Adam suit does. That's what happens in Genesis chapter 3. As a rule, man's a fool when he's hot, he wants a cool. When he cool, he wants it hot. Always want what's not as a rule, man's a fool. I mean, you know that, don't you? You want what you cannot have. And the problem is the world system will give you uh, what you want that you think will make it happy, and the consequences aren't till later. You see, it, if it happened quickly, you could figure out how to handle your Adam suit. You could figure out how to have a great life if it, things happen immediately, but things don't happen immediately. There's consequences, but they're long-term consequences to short-term pleasure, which the earth suit wants. It's like Penny and I were speaking in Mobile, Alabama, and we're just about to close the curtain on the motel room and the hot light on the Krispy Kreme donut came on like a sign from God you know like <laughs> so I said honey look a sign from God Krispy Kreme I said let's get some exercise and walk down to the Krispy Kreme <laughs> see here's what your here's what your Adam suit does it tells yourself rational lies that's what we call it rational lies they're rational lies that your earth suit tells yourself to get what it wants to get and not you feel bad about it. So let's get some exercise. We'll go down the Krispy Kreme. And then, let, and then the earth suit, my Adam suit says this, let's get a dozen because they're cheaper by the dozen. We're saving stinking money here, honey. Another rational lie, you see. Uh, and, and that way I can get eight and she can get four. And so, uh, and I realized I can eat eight Krispy Kreme donuts by myself. It's just hot fried sugar. I mean, it's how good is that? Melts in your mouth and there's no consequences. I didn't have to change my pants. I, I didn't have to do anything. There's no, just pure pleasure, no consequences. The problem is, if you do that on a regular basis, you may get on the scale, it may say one at a time, please, because you're gonna get big. <laughs> now, what if it had immediate consequences? What if you took a bite of Krispy Kreme and fat went, whoop, you go, good night. Did you see that? That's a powerful donut. I'm not eating any more of those. It's not eating any more of those. But see, at first, you have habits. Then habits have you. Matter of fact, there's a verse in Proverbs that says, like a dog returns to its vomit. You see, you don't want to do it now, but now your habit pattern is that you do it, you see. And, and, and we all struggle. We all struggle with this Adam suit. It just, your spirit's been redeemed. You still have the same body. You still have the same Adam suit with all those habit patterns going on. Matter of fact, your body, you're never going to get your body where it's supposed to be. God's got to kill your body to get you into heaven. It's, you're never going to get it perfected to get into heaven. You know, some of you stressed out about that. It ain't going to happen. I promise you. God's going to kill that thing. You know, it's not making it into heaven. See? A lot of these things that we have down here is to control. We, there's going to be marriage in heaven. Marriage is helping to control your Adam suit down here, you see. We don't need that help in heaven. But down here, you, it, you better learn to control it. Matter of fact, tonight we're going to teach you about kids. If the kids who learn to control that Adam suit, the kids are going to be successful in life. They'll be the champions, I promise you. Uh, it's kind of like a dog. I mean, if you've got a, you ever been to somebody's house where the dog controlled the house? I mean, you're trying to get in the house and the dog's licking you and on your leg. And good night, dog, get, get away from me, you know? 
and you go in the house and try to shut the door, the dog comes in with you. You know, the people say, you know, let the dog in, you know, let the dog in, you know. And, and you're trying to eat, and the dog's trying to get you food, you know, and you're trying to get the dog away, get a little food, you know. And then, you, then I say something like this, you know, nice dog, thinking like, get the thing out of here, you know, that they'll call attention to the fact he's trying to eat my food. And then they'll say this, is the dog bothering you? I want to say, is this a C&I dog? Are you completely blind? <laughs> yes, the dog is bothering me. And then they say something like, well, you know, that's how it shows affection or something. You know, it's miserable, miserable. But I've been to people's houses. They control the dog. They told the dog when to sit. They told the dog when to get. It's a pretty reasonable existence. And that's the way you better do with your Adam suit. Better learn to control. The more, the more successful down here in this world, the less stressful you'll be, is the more you control this Adam suit. So B stands for battle. There's always a battle. C stands for Christ. You're never going to totally win this battle. The Apostle Paul, not a teenager, the Apostle Paul, the greatest Christian probably that ever lived, said this, the things I don't want to do, I end up doing. The things I want to do, I don't do. That's not a teenager. That's the Apostle Paul. Now, some of you look all spiritual today. Let me just ask you something. How many of you promised God you'd do something you didn't do it? Liar, liar, pants on fire. How many of you have told God you didn't do something and you did it? <laughs> that's all of us. I promise you, that's all of us. You know? So Christ had to come to win the battle you could not win. You couldn't win. You can't win it. There's no way. God's going to have to kill it. So he's going to give you a new suit, going to give you a new body. But Christ had to do that. He had to live the life you could not live. And he had to die the death you could not die. So e, A, B, C, D. D stands for done. It's done. You know, Unless you understand that, you're going to have a stressful life. I promise you. People say, I'm trying to be a Christian. You can't try to be a Christian because you didn't do it. He did it, and he's already done it. Okay? So you just accept what he's given you. He gives you that righteousness. He gives you eternal life. You can't mess it up. I promise you. Once, you, you're, once you're in, you're in. You know, uh, I, I promise you that. You may, do, you may do your earth suit a little better than my earth suit. had a brother that uh, died this year. Uh, alcoholism. My other brother's a, a great pastor. My sister's married to a great Greek scholar. We're all in the ministry except him. All grew up in the same environment. He, he grew up in those churches that I call them dysfunction junction, you know, little, little county seat churches, you know. They're, they're not churches, they're just country clubs that people control. And so my dad pastored a lot of those churches. Every, every, every month, business meeting, you know, criticize a pastor. Say what he's done there. He didn't do this, he didn't do that. Just narrow, negative, nauseating people. Just that's what they were, you know. But they were Christians, you know. So my brother said, if that's the way Christians are, I don't want anything to do with the church. I, don't want anything. I love Jesus, but I don't want anything to do with the church. Well, guess what? You won't have a great life just having Jesus and not the church because you've got to have people around you to encourage you, to keep you, to keep you going. It, it, and so he had a miserable life. He had a miserable life. Ended up being an alcoholic. Ended up getting divorced. Ended up doing all kind of messing up in his life. Had a miserable life. Died early because of alcoholism. I, my brother and I preached his funeral. I was able to tell them, my brother's in heaven. Why? Because he trusted Christ. He never could get his earth suit. He never could get it right. But when you start comparing, 
your earth suit with other earth people's earth suit and what you've done with yours, you're going to be stressed out and you're going to be a miserable person to be around you. I promise you. Because guess what? Those people that slandered and gossiped about my dad, they didn't get their earth suit together either. They just messed up in different ways than what he messed up. But I promise you, I wish they weren't. But they'll be in heaven too probably. Why? Because they trusted Christ, you see. It's not what you can do. You'll get all stressed out judging and thinking, I've got my earth suit under control. I'm able to do this. I do this. I do that. Relax. It's all about him. It's all about grace. It's all about what he did in your life. It's done. It's over. So E stands for enjoy. Just enjoy it. This, my friend, is good news. The angel, I go to some churches, they think the angel showed up and said, hey, guess what? God's got a plan to make you miserable for the rest of your life. Oh, they said, I have good news of great joy. This is good news. So, and F just stands for faith. The only way you get it is by faith. You know? And guess what? You don't even have to have much of that. You don't even have to have much of that. It's a little, God knows you're made of dirt. You don't have much. I promise you, you don't have much faith. God says it doesn't matter what you have. Just a little bit. It matters what your faith is in. That's what matters. That's what matters. Like this lady that had all the faith in the world in this young man. Supposedly he was a Christian young man. She's going to marry him and have a great life. She married him and found out he was an abusing person. He abused her. They had kids. He abused the kids. He ran around on her and had affairs, and finally he abandoned her. She had such great faith in that man. And, oh, she was so devastated, so discouraged. Years and years later, in church, she met another Christian man. His wife had died, and he wanted to, he wanted to, to love her, and he wanted to, to, to marry her and to help take care of these kids. And, boy, she didn't have much faith. No, I've done that. been there, done that. And I, no, I don't think so. But finally, she had a little bit of faith. Just maybe, just maybe. And guess what? It was a great marriage. It, it was a great situation for the kids. He loved her. He loved the kids. Why? Because it doesn't matter how much faith she had. It's what the faith is in. Your faith has to be in someone, Jesus Christ, who's done what you could not do, who lived the life you could not live, who died the death you could not die. You ever seen one of those uh, envelopes you get in the mail sometimes and they just look rich? You know, they're mob colored and they got this font that's really rich looking font. It doesn't look like a regular typewriter or anything. It just looks cool and and it's gold even on the little flap you see that gold and they're heavy I don't have envelopes like that I get mine at Walmart you know you get about 100 of them you know in this little thing you know and they're flimsy and they're white and they're they're just they're not heavy at all you know and and I but I and I usually hand write my letter if I got to send a letter to somebody and and it take it around in my pocket to get it to the where I'm supposed to get it and it's smudged and it's wrinkled but there's one big difference between my sorry no good letter and that perfect one mine has a stamp and this one doesn't guess which one's getting to its destination the one with a stamp the only reason is this the price has been paid that's the only reason my friend, I don't care how sorry, no good you are, how stressed out you are. How, some of you look pretty pitiful, I'll just be honest with you. doesn't matter. Because if you've been stamped with Jesus Christ, you're getting to the destination. And that's the only thing that matters in the end, I promise you. That's the only thing that matters. 
People meet me at the airport all the time and say, how was your trip? How was your flight? I say the same thing. Great. Take off and landings came out even. See, that's all that really matters. That's all that really matters. Learn how it all works. A stands for allies. You've got to be in this with other people. Relationships are the key to having a great life. We don't have time to go on that. We've got a whole series at the resource table about relationships. But look, we've got to, get to, we've got to finish this message. We've got to get to X. There's really no good word for X in this, in this world. So X stands for this. Exchange your stress for his strength. If you want to have a, a great life, you exchange. See, we have a God that no matter what your stress, he's strong enough to never let go. My daughter was about four, maybe three. She fell and cut her chin on a coffee table. By the time I got home, her chin was you know, not hurting anymore, but I looked at it, it was a pretty good cut. I called a doctor friend, said, uh, she's got a cut on her chin, it's about this long, what should I do? He said, we better sew it up, it'll never be like it's supposed to be. Meet me down in the emergency room. You ever tried to reason with a four-year-old? Impossible. I tried to explain to her why we had to go. She said, no, it doesn't hurt now. It used to hurt. You weren't here when it hurt. Will it hurt when they do that? Yes, it will hurt. I don't want to go. I don't want to be hurt again. And it's just tough. So finally, I got on her level, looked her right in the eye, which is what God does with us. Said, honey, you know your daddy loves you, don't you? Yes, sir. You know you can trust your daddy, don't you? Yes, sir. You know I wouldn't make you do anything that wasn't absolutely necessary, don't you? Yes, sir. I know you don't understand it. We have to go to the hospital. We have to sew up your chin. Yes, sir. Tear in her eye. Being a psychologist, I wanted to make it easy as possible. I said, now, after we go to the hospital, we go to Walmart and get you a prize. <laughs> she said, that'd be good. We start to pull in the hospital parking lot, and she says, Daddy, I got a better idea. Why don't we go to Walmart first? <laughs> Here's what I've discovered. Because of your Adam suit, whether you're 4, 40, or 80, we all want the prize before the pain. Yes, do. I said, no, honey, we got to go in here first. We started walking in, and she grabbed that little hand in my hand. She said, will you hold on to me and not let me go? I said, sure, honey. We're walking in there. i got to hold that hand. We go up there, and I'm holding on that hand tight. And they bring like a, I call it a straight jacket because that's just kind of where I used to work. But it's kind of like a papoose. Keep her from hitting the needle. So the doctor makes her hands go down like this. I can't hold her hand anymore, so I'm moving back, and she's in motion and kind of uh, go down here. And I grab hold of her foot, and she smiles. She wants me to hold on to her foot. I felt kind of weird, big guy holding a little girl's foot, but that's what she wanted, and that's what I did. If you've ever been there, it's bad. She cried, I cried, the doctor cried, it's just bad. <laughs> and I'm thinking she'll never have anything to do with me again. <laughs> We're walking out, and I felt that little hand grab hold of my hand. I looked down, and she's got her mother's eyes and looks, and I looked at her, those blue eyes, little tears in her eyes. She looked back up and said, Daddy, I love you. Thanks for holding on to me. <laughs> I thought, that's God. That's God. No matter what happens, he's going to hold on to you. This boy in South Florida had one of those awful days. So bad, he came home and threw his books down in the front of the house. So mad, he was going to, he was going to take his stress out on the, on the lake. He got a lake in his backyard in South Florida. So he jumps in the lake and just starts swimming, clothes and everything, just mad about life, swimming, not realizing he's not going to the middle, he's going to the side. He's nose to nose with an alligator. Makes a U-turn, trying to get back as quick as possible. Alligator behind him. Neighbor hears it, screams and hollers, calls 911. Mother hears it. Mother hits the water, and mother and alligator arrive at the same time. But you know mothers, she won. 
They had to take him to the hospital. Had a lot of stitches. The TV anchor got a hold of it. Boy, chased by alligator. They wanted to interview him after he got out of the hospital. They said, everybody out in TV land wants to see those scars where that alligator had a hold of you. And he said, well, I'll show you those scars, but I'm really proud of my other scars. He said, what other scars? He said, the scars on my arm where my mother wouldn't let go. <laughs> you know, as a kid, I always wondered why when Jesus came back from the cross, he still had the scars. I mean, he had a glorified body. Why would he have the scars? Scars are for me. Scars are for you. Jesus wanted you to know that God never lets go, even in death itself. And Jesus has the scars to prove it. You stressed out today? It doesn't matter what you're going through if you know you win in the end. I mean, you know if you're going to win in the end, it's, it's, it's going to be okay. I'm a huge Dallas Cowboy fan. I know some of you aren't Cowboy fans, and our games are now on PBS because we're educational. We never win. Uh, <laughs> how, do you, how do you beat the Cowboys? Every time they catch a pass, holler, I'm the police, drop it, and they'll drop it, and you'll, you'll win the game. <laughs> but I'm a huge fan. Matter of fact, I'm, so, I'm such a big fan, I'm going to let the Cowboys be pallbearers at my funeral so they can let me down one last time. <laughs> So, so when I moved to Albuquerque, everybody in the church knew the pastor was a big cowboy fan. So in Albuquerque, there's a time change, 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock. 11 o'clock service, 12 o'clock in Dallas, the cowboys are already playing. So they got this idea, big church with teleprompters everywhere. They figured while the pastor's preaching, flash the cowboy score on the teleprompter so he can keep up with the game. Not a good idea. It was very confusing. I'd be preaching away, Matthew 21 to 3? <laughs> Just confused everybody. So I told the guys, don't, don't do that anymore. So Penny and I came up with a plan. Back in videotape days, remember videotape days? Go put a videotape in, go do all the services, meet all the visitors, have a leisurely lunch, go back, get it, put it in a big screen, and watch the game. Great plan, never worked. I'd always to run into somebody at the church already seen the game. Wasn't that great, Pastor, 30 to 20, and Emmett scored those two touchdowns? Way to go, Cowboys. And I'm going, I got it in my hand. But I'm a big fan, so I'd go home and watch it anyway. And that's when I realized what a huge difference it makes when you know you win in the end. I mean, you still, you forget every now and then. Can't believe you fumbled the ball. Amen, we pay you millions of dollars and you, oh, we won. Just do better next time. It takes the stress out of watching the game, the game of life. If you know you win in the end and you've trusted Jesus, it'll take the stress out. No matter what you go through, God's not going to let go. And one day, he'll take you to heaven get you your prize. Let's pray. Father, thank you for our time together. Lord, thank you that you're such a good God. Lord, thank you that you're our God because of Jesus Christ. Lord, I don't know who's here today. Maybe there's somebody here that's never had the faith to believe. Lord, help them to understand they don't need a lot of faith. They just need a little faith, that you're right there with them, that you're right there knocking on the door of their heart. All you need is just a, a little opening, and you'll flood their life with the grace of God and the goodness of life. 
today may somebody have the faith to believe. Lord, others may just need to come and kneel and be thankful, enjoy. They've lost their joy. They want to they come at the altar and say, God, I want to be a thankful person. I want to be grateful for what I have, not miserable because of what I don't have. Others may de- make decisions I have no clue, but you do. I do know nobody ever regrets coming to this altar. Thank you that you're such a good God. Thank you for Jesus. His name we pray. Amen.